Are you ready for it? Welcome to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Rebecca. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lizzie. So be fearless. Speak now. Put on your favorite shade of red. While shaking it off in a getaway car. Because sometimes you need to calm down. And wrap yourself up in your favorite cardigan. To find some happiness. And listen as we talk about the iconic poet herself, Miss Swift. (laughs) We're laughing. Uh (laughs) Hey everyone, thank you so much and welcome back to our podcast. Today we have the most amazing and special guest, Stephen Sullivan, who is a famous Swift talker. And we love him so much. We've had him on our show before. We're so glad to have him back. And we are so, so excited happy, free, confused, lonely to be discussing Red Taylor's version that's finally been out after five long months of waiting. Hell yes. 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 So excited. Thank you for joining us, Stephen, again. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so, so excited to be back. It was so much fun talking about Fearless last time, and I'm going to start off with a bold claim that Red is even better, so I'm very excited to talk about it. It is. Um, Yes, and we promise to try not to steamroll you so much this time. Don't worry about it. You apologized last time and I honestly didn't even notice it. So like, don't worry. Oh, well, people listening noticed and they're hopeless. <laughs> like, what do I do with all of these chicks? <laughs> anyway, so, um, Red Taylor's version. Yeah, can we talk about the matured vocals? Can we talk about the fact that we are watching actively watching a cultural reset happen with an album that came out almost 10 years ago. Just the number of like businesses and like fucking buildings and landmarks in different countries. And like the university of South Carolina posted red lyrics today. And like, I just, uh, her reach Taylor Swift's reach. It's blowing my mind. There's so much. Imagine having that much influence and that much power that the entire world is literally celebrating an aesthetic that you created 10 years ago. For a long time, I've always felt like 1989 was the peak of her career and that she probably would never reach the heights of where she reached with 1989 again. But just how prolific Red has been everywhere before even coming out. Like, folklore really just skyrocketed her back to the top of the game, and she's taking full advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I well, I mean, we're going to get into it because it's, it's one of our questions, so maybe I won't say this now. I'll save it for then. But people are, are, are really excited about this album. And they have been for a long time. I mean, I, we've been talking about this for months, like yeah. five months. Almost half a year. Yeah. yeah. And I was a little nervous at first because she didn't release any singles. She wasn't doing what she did with Fearless. I was like, what's going to happen? She randomly drops Wildest Dreams, Taylor's version. And I was like, okay, this is cool. But I was really confused. But now I know why. She didn't have to release any singles. No, she didn't. It was already amped up. There was no need to do any of that kind of promotion. Because her promotion skyrocketed just a couple days before Oh, yeah, like the the late night talk shows, SNL on Saturday, which is tomorrow for us now, but will be this past weekend when this episode is out. But she is actually running the, like, circuit. An actual premiere for the All Too Well short film, like, 
And even just like the existence of the short film, the fact that she created even more material to accompany an already insanely long album. Yeah. I, that's 30 tracks. Like that's so long. Two hour album. Two hours. Yeah. Nine vault tracks. I like to like looking back now, because like what Lizzie was saying, I was like kind of like thrown off with no singles release. Like what's going on? But looking back now that we have the album, I'm actually so glad she didn't release a single ahead of time. So we got to experience it all at once. Yeah. And it just made it so much more special because we were just getting so much content. And then I love how she like literally rationed us like freaking addicts. Because she was like, here's the album. You're not getting the all too well short film until tomorrow. <laughs> like, let's give you guys time to process the 10 minute version first. And then we'll go to Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink. Rink? Sadie Sink. Yeah. Thank you. And we were talking about this before we started recording, but Sadie Sink, man, just like, oh God, she killed that. I mean, Dylan was great too, but. Sadie is like, which is weird because of their age. Yeah, it's it's a little like, it's a little, um, what's the word I used? Predatory. Yeah, it like, it's a little predatory. It is. But their chemistry was so amazing. And I think that is really what what made it so heartbreaking. You experienced their relationship while you were watching that film. Yeah. Yeah. And I also an element of it so it could tell its truth in the raw form and we see that chemistry that they had on screen I think Taylor was trying to portray that with her previous relationship and show us that inside view of how you know just how it unfolded yeah and I also with like the because I know a lot of people were talking about being concerned that Sadie and Dylan were going to be love interests but knowing that Taylor directed it and had like full control I really think that if Sadie was uncomfortable at any moment, something would have been done about it and Taylor would have stepped in or Sadie would have hopefully been been comfortable enough to speak up about it. So even just like, I really believe that Taylor fostered an environment where they were able to do that in a safe way that didn't make Sadie feel uncomfortable, which is nice to know. Yeah. And then I think in addition to just the chemistry that they had that was like palpable, the power imbalance that is very common in those kinds of age gap relationships, especially when the, you know, the man is like a decade over than the teenage girl that he's dating, like that was also palpable. And that, I mean, I was at some points, I was a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that was part of the point. Definitely. Like, and and like to what you're saying too, like, his his power over her existed in just LA in Hollywood that that industry as well as age and the quote unquote maturity that he felt like he had over her even though he didn't that all played into it as well and yeah like it, it was just it was absolutely amazing my mind is blown I actually had to watch it in pieces I could not watch it all the way through because it was just like so much that one long take of their fight where they were just ad-libbing it was just first of all that's so rare t- for actors to be able to do were do you we do- know that they ad-libbed or yeah was- she mentions it on jimmy fallon yes she said that they were doing the take and they just didn't stop recording and filming because it was just so good and the energy and the tension was there and you could feel it so they just kept and then they ended up keeping it in and it's like it goes to show the power of those actors but also just 
the way that they are able to translate that onto the screen that we everybody was able to feel it like oh my gosh it that's... was so real and that's what yeah. jimmy fallon said because he got to see it before it was released and he described it as very like like a real fight that they were having like it didn't it didn't feel like the, it didn't look like they were acting like it, it it felt like we were witnessing a real argument going yeah. on yeah true like that was not something that was scripted you can tell just like looking at it it was too good to be scripted i'm sure they like went off like a general idea but like holy crap just the like the goosebumps yeah chills and by the time we got to, by the time it got to the, you call me up again, just to break me like a promise part where Sadie was on the bed crying with like the phone, like open on the bed beside her. I, st I cried. I was crying. Oh, yeah. I was like, I, I know what this is. Like I've, I've not only have I been here personally, but I've, I've heard this song before. Like I've heard this specific part of this song for almost 10 years. And I was, I was crying. I was absolutely just I, I don't think I was bawling, but I was absolutely crying over it. And, you, you know, we always talk about how her lyrics paint an image, you know, the imagery that she uses and the, the power of her lyrics. And that part on film where she's literally on the bed crying and the phone is ringing, like, that's what I imagined when I heard those lyrics without the video. It was just so real. It's just so powerful, like the power that those lyrics have and the power that Sadie presented when she was filming that. I mean, like, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it made an already incredibly raw, open, emotional lyric even more so. Like, it felt like a fresh wound. We talked about a little bit before, like, the rationing of the releases, but I also think it was really nice that we got to listen to 10 Minute All Too Well and kind of paint our own images in our minds before getting the way that Taylor herself sees it. Because there were a few things that happened on the film and I was like, whoa, that wasn't how I pictured that. But now that I've seen that, that probably is going to replace what I pictured in my mind. Yeah. Right, so even yeah. just like that brief time of having my own association with the lyrics before we got Taylor's was really nice and it was it made watching the film really interesting I agree I was not I mean okay so after hearing I bet you think about me the scene with all his friends and like stuff like that like that made sense but previously if I had never heard that song I wouldn't have ever thought that that was a situation that this song would I mean and obviously it would and it's completely possible, but it just never crossed my mind that something like that, like a scene like that would happen. I never, I never saw that in my head listening to All Too Well, but I am so glad that the dancing in the kitchen and the refrigerator light was like literal. I have pictured that moment in that song in my mind for years and yep. it was so satisfying to yep. watch it. I was like um, waiting for it too. I was like, okay, it's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah. I was a little worried that it wasn't going to happen because it had just been like the their fight. Uh -huh. it, it happened and I was like, whew, yes, perfect. So just to let y'all know, the, the short film premiered on YouTube two hours ago and it's got 2.1 million views right now. It's amazing. God. Yeah. It had yeah. one million. Four of those were us. <laughs> Any other thoughts about the like short film before we get started on the questions we prepared? It's just like the epitome of light academia. 
like literally put that film in urban dictionaries like description <laughs> of the word light academia because it's like oh my gosh it's just done so well I just everything the costuming just I think Taylor did such a good job we haven't really talked enough about her directing this I feel like because yeah it's a big deal for her yeah she's finally really starting to get into the direct directorial mode and I've loved that for her and anyways it was amazing I also the moment at the end when it because I was sitting in the whole time and I was like when is Taylor gonna show up because I know she's credited as being in it so who is she gonna be at first I thought she was gonna be the actress who comes up and asks what happened at the party oh and, that would have been cool uh-huh. um and then when no one went up to Sadie I was like okay so what is where is she and however the reflection caught the red like the face with the red hair at the end I sat there and I was like oh my god that's Taylor in a red wig and then it was and it was it was so it was such a perfect way to end it I agree yeah Yeah, I wasn't expecting that because I guess I wasn't paying attention and did not know that she was credited as actually being in it so I was pleasantly surprised also can we talk about the end of having the back of well Jake (laughs) Yeah, wearing the scarf. Yeah, wearing the scarf. Yeah. I cackled. I was like, are you kidding me? Just fucking give it back. Apparently in real life, he freaking sold it on eBay or something. Oh, really? According to Dumois. Yeah, Yeah. according to Dumois, like, somebody actually has a scarf and they're trying to get it back to Taylor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's, like, in possession of the scarf and is, like, trying, yeah. The the whole thing's nuts, but that ending scene of him watching her as she like is successful and he seems kind of alone like in the snow wearing the like only piece of her he has left chef's kiss man says so much with yes. nothing without saying anything at all we also, love even- when no one gets over us it's like it's like how about did i know everybody else well i know rebecca saw this but did y'all see the the tiktok with in the enchanted sound and it was some woman, and she was like, oh, my ex is engaged? Oh, like, it's fine. I'm married. And then she's in the shower, like, please don't be alone. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, I too relate to this because I am toxic. And even though I'm over it, I don't want anybody to ever get over me. And that's how I felt at the <laughs> at the end of All Too Well. I was like, mm, yes, he should be sad. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <sighs> okay. So when Taylor first announced that Red Taylor's version was the next release, were we happy, sad, or confused at the same time? I was confused. (laughs) Yeah. I was really confused. I was happy, but I was, I had actually that day, actually I had stitched one of your TikToks, Stephen, where you were talking about how like we were going in 1989 summer, whether or not Taylor was coming or not. Yeah, we were. I blew up my kiddie pool and I like put it in the backyard and I like had champagne and I had heart glasses and I put on red lipstick and I was just like, Steven says we're doing it, we're doing it. And then literally before I could post it, she announced red and I was like, well, that's going in the trash. (laughs) That's what like my favorite thing about her announcing red was that the day before I made, I think three TikToks about it being 1989 with or without Taylor. And then on the Friday that she announced it, before announcing it, she posted a shout out to, I forget what artist, but she posted a shout out to an artist on her story. And I remember losing my mind because I got the notification that she posted and thinking it was something. 
And I made a TikTok that was like, oh, ha ha ha, Taylor Swift posting something, knowing that her fans are waiting for an announcement and not giving them one. What a tease. And then two hours later, she announced Red. And I like, I fell down the stairs in my house because I was just running in circles and I <laughs> fell down a flight of three stairs. Every time something, like every time in the past, like since folklore, every time she's announced something, I have either been sleeping or like in the shower or like just... <laughs> Some like I think I was in the shower when Red was announced, and like my phone is like going off and going off and going off, and it's literally literally Rebecca, and she's like, "Bitch, where the fuck are you? Are you sleeping again? It's the middle of the day." <laughs> no, in the shower, but um, yeah, she, I always miss the big stuff. <laughs> yes, you usually miss the Taylor stuff. I usually miss like the crazy stuff happening in the world like that's usually how it goes with us that's why i thought you were sleeping because i was like i sleep at this time okay anyways that was called projection that's <laughs> like so far off of her tracks yeah. though like we were convinced it yeah. was 1989 like every single one of us would have died on the hill that it was 1989 yeah. and we were dead wrong yeah, yeah. We were well, absolutely wrong. It speaks to the fact that we aren't really in particular eras anymore. And we're no, just so like so that as a fan base. Like, it's kind of just all molding together. And she's probably just going to release stuff as she sees fit. And, like, it's not so much of, like, this is the reputation era. You know? I, yeah. She's definitely got some sort of plan. But it, it, it's we're in the re-recording era. Like, this is not, like, the albums aren't split individually anymore we're gonna no. get easter eggs about everything and i also yeah. i think like it shows in the way she's stylizing everything with them because to me the album covers at least so far they all have like they're all obviously distinctly their albums but they also all feel at least a little bit aesthetically similar yeah it's and like so they're kind of like uniting everything to just be under the same like owned by taylor swift umbrella so anybody else were you happy sad confused oh you forgot free in this question lizzie um, happy free confused and lonely no sad <laughs> i don't know why i got that from i on my defense i wrote these questions at like it was late home, <laughs> which is late and i had a day yesterday Oh, man. Anyways, so I felt like I was confused at first. I went through all the emotions. Well, first off, what had happened to, like, I had just gone through one of the most terrible work phone calls ever. Somebody was just, like, cussing me out. It just wasn't a great day. This is my previous job, whatever. And I was just not having a great day. So I was, like, a little on edge. And then I found this out, and I was like, oh, my God. But then I found out we had to wait five months, and I was like, what the hell, Taylor? <laughs> and you guys, it would have been next week, but then she pushed it back, which I'm yeah. glad she did, but because yeah. I don't think I could have waited another week. I know. Especially with yeah. all of this, like, the whole, I mean, the whole world was lit red. Like, how <laughs> am I supposed to deal <laughs> with that for a week? Yeah. And can you talk about the fact that she moved it for Adele's album release? Like, I know that's kind of a side thing, but, like, that's just such a nice and considerate thing to do as an artist, to try, like, not to compete so much with, like, because you know how weeks and charting, how that makes such a big difference in album sales, yeah. things like that. And that's just, that's just so awesome. So respectful women supporting women. Yeah. You know, we all know now we all got crowns. 
You need yes. to calm down. Oh, uh, so let's move on to the next question. So we keep. Wait, I have a question that's off topic, and I promise it'll be quick. Um, Taylor! No, this is important. This is important. Okay. Steven, how does it feel to know that Taylor Swift knows you exist? It's weird, and I still deny it to myself. And here's my here's my rationale for denying it to myself. She still has never liked or commented on one of my videos. So she liked my comment in her comment section. So yes, like she acknowledged that. But in theory, like there's nothing that means she had to look at my profile picture or even the name of the profile or anything to like that comment. Let's not delude ourselves. They don't call it Tay lurking for nothing. I guess. It's just <laughs> as long for as long as I can deny it for my own sanity, I'm going to deny it. But it was very exciting when, like, the day she joined TikTok, it happened. Because she joined and I was like, okay, so maybe by, like, the end of the year, that would be great. And then two hours later, I got a no I had a notification from her. No way, no way, no way. That I, I was in the shower when it happened. I was in the shower <laughs> and I got out of the shower. Okay, next question. Mm-hmm. All right. What is your initial reaction after listening to Rad Taylor's version? So what is everyone's initial reaction? I feel like we already talked about this, but if anybody has anything else to say, what was your first like gut-wrenching reaction? Like the, what do you mean by gut-wrenching? Like something bad or like sad or like- Anything, like your first emotion, any emotions. I will say listening to the intro to State of Grace, I was just sitting there and the intro for State of Grace is one, like, so cinematic, but also so freaking long. And so I was just sitting there waiting, and I was like, okay, she's going to come in. She's going to sing. She's going to say, are you ready to hear her sing? I don't think you're ready to hear her sing, but she's going to start. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And all of that was happening, like, the first 30 seconds of the drums. Because it just was, like, it didn't feel real to actually be hearing it because we waited so long. Yeah. Every yeah. time, and by every time, I mean, you know, this is the second time we've listened to a re-recording for the first time, but every time I listen to a re-recording for the first time, I notice so many differences, but then the more that I, like, listen, the more I'm like, no, like, this is the same song that I know and love. So, like, my first reaction to hearing the beginning of State of Grace was like, oh, this is not exactly how it was in the original, like, that guitar is in a different key or something like that. I don't know how instruments work, but <laughs> that was like my first reaction, but I, I, I love it. So my first reaction is I just, the way I flew Delta to freaking all too well, 10 minute version. Like I was, I was like, yes, I gotta okay. listen. How did everybody, how did everybody I, listen? Well, that's a good question. Like, wh how, what order? Like, I started with State of Grace, and I listened to every single song all the way through at midnight last night. So did um, I. That I went straight through from State of Grace to All Too Well. I haven't had time to actually listen to the album from start to finish, unfortunately, because we're in the middle of moving again. So what I did was I started with, of course, All Too Well 10-minute version, and then I went through all the vault tracks. <laughs> and then um, I went back and, like, listened to, like, my favorite songs off, like, the OG album. So, and then I'll, like, try and finish it up this weekend sometime. I originally started with State of Grace. I let State of Grace play all the way through, and then I was like, okay, but, like, I've already heard all these songs. Like, I really want to hear the, the vault tracks. <laughs> so I listened to all of the vault tracks, starting with Ronin, 
and then immediately immediately regretted that decision because I was already crying at fucking midnight. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, like I can't like, and I was so tired. Like I barely slept the night before and I was just like, just trying so hard to get through it. And I literally fell asleep halfway through all too well, 10 minute version. I like woke up and it's on like <laughs> some random other song. And I'm like, wait, what's happening? And I'm like, oh, I fell asleep. And I'm like, okay, I can't like, I gotta go to bed. I'm so tired. Oh my and, like, God. I can, like picture you with like your hoodie up, like, like hunched over <laughs> your computer, like in the dark with like your like light from your freaking computer. Like half asleep, like, <laughs> yeah. like. <laughs> listening to it <laughs> yeah, I don't know I stayed up till 3 15 in the morning listening so I, I did I, one I, full I, listen I and then I did a little bit more <laughs> I like woke up and I saw your messages like in our group chat and I was like oh geez <laughs> it was like I, I had like read messages <laughs> I didn't even read the messages until I started listening to the album because I was like I'm gonna wait and then I'm gonna Chandler and I kind of went off because like she hadn't gotten to the all too well version yet. <laughs> Rebecca was like, Chandler, you're gonna scream. Just text me when you get to it. You're gonna, you know what it is. You'll know what oh. it is when you get to it. And it was the fuck the patriarchy line. And I literally, uh, like, I, I almost screamed. And my husband had been about sleeping. The, the jump scare that happened because, like, to the first two minutes and almost 15 seconds of that song is the exact same. And yeah. so I was sitting there like singing along and I was like, whoa! Like all of a sudden we're talking about like keychain dropping to the ground. Yeah. And I was, I, it was like the biggest it, like... It changed I, like, the tone of the song. Like, so before it was like, you know, kind of, it was sad and kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? The whole song itself like, is just kind of like melancholy. Yeah, like, like just, just solemn, sullen. Yeah, just, like, and then like, you get to this, the 10 minute version and he's like, like it turns and angry. Yeah, you're like, like and everybody's pissed off. <laughs> and then you're like, but it describes a breakup so well. Like I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Like that is just the 10 minute song describes like a full breakup in my mind. A toxic relationship. It doesn't feel like it's 10 minutes long to me. Like, no, I, I was like, that's it? Like, I know, I was like, oh, where's the 20 minute version that she like was talking about at some point? Let's go, Blondie, we need it. Uh, and what yeah. did you think of it? For the, the 10 minute version, like the first time, it yeah. was yeah. So, like, like, honestly, yeah, jump scare is the best way to describe it. Cause I was sitting there and I, like you said, I was like, I know all these words. I know these <laughs> words. When do we get to words I don't know? I want those. <laughs> um, and then it came in and right off the bat, the, the fact that the fuck the patriarchy line is the second thing she says that's new. I was like, that's where, that's where she says fuck? Does she not say a masterpiece till you fucked it all up? Is that not and a lyric? She doesn't. And she, she didn't. Doesn't. And I'm honestly, I'm honestly glad she didn't because I think Tor, like, it makes more sense technically, like if you're ripping up a painting. Yeah. But it just it happened, and I was like, "Oh, that's the explicit part. It happened already." I guess here we go. Eight more minutes. I'm buckled in. I'm ready to go. And then when it got to the last bit of this, like the ending of the original version, and I looked, I was like, "Oh, okay. There is still an entire song worth of time left, and we're already done with everything we know. So where do we go from here?" <laughs> I mean, the line 
just between us did the love affair maim you too i know we like saw that in one of her tiktoks but oh evermore vibes i got so much like evermore like that was like the poetic like the poet taylor just coming out with that it's so cool to see that all like a decade old like because that's just such a beautiful poignant line and to see that and oh my gosh it's just she's always been such a good songwriter yeah Yeah. that's the line for me when i first heard you kept me like a secret, but I kept you like an oath. Oh my God. Though yes. I just turned into a puddle in my, I was like, how dare you say that to me right now? When I die, I, I just want terrible. my gravestone to have the 10 minute version of All Too Well play, <laughs> motion censored every time people walk by, it just blasts. <laughs> Can you imagine scaring somebody in a cemetery like that? <laughs> that's, that's the 10 minute All Too Well jump scare. Okay, do we want to move on to the next question? Yes. Yeah. Number three, what is your favorite song on Red Taylor's version? Steven? It feels like a cop-out, but I've got to say the 10 minute all too well. I've listened to it like 15 times today. (laughs) Yeah. I I agree. Like, I honestly can't, I, I, I don't really have a favorite. But if I had to choose a favorite, it's All Too Well 10-Minute Version. Because <laughs> like in my brain, All Too Well and now All Too Well the 10-Minute Version, they're always like, oh, those are automatically like yeah. the best. And yeah. now whenever I say like my favorite, I'm, I'm like really talking about like my second favorite. Like, oh, we don't right. include All Too Well because right. we know how great it is. Like it's everybody knows that. Yeah. So this is a really hard question for it me. Is. Me too. I there were a lot of standouts that I like that just like changed my perspective on these songs because like I don't I don't dislike Red, but when it first came out, I was really going through it like and I took all these sad songs, put them on an iTunes playlist, turned off all the lights in my dorm room and cried on my carpet like for weeks. Like so I have bad memories. I've like blacked Me out. That's too. I've always associated bad memories with red up until probably maybe the last like five, four or five years. I don't know, maybe even longer than that, but like for several years, red was too, too much for me, but like, I almost do was never a song that I really loved. And I feel like she really did it justice on this, on this album. The same with like, sad beautiful tragic like i do really like that song like i like all these songs whenever i say that a song on red is like my least favorite like it's just my least favorite i still scream the lyrics at the top of my lungs but like sad beautiful tragic also like really got me like this version she she made slight changes and it made all the difference but honestly i think my favorite is my favorite that it's always been which is treacherous that one has always been my favorite. And- my favorite. That was my favorite with the original, but I have to say I agree with you with Almost Do, and there was something that Bailey and I noticed. I don't know if you guys, when you heard it, if you noticed it, Bailey's pulling up her notes because she wrote very detailed notes knowing Bailey. So, okay, so in I Almost Do, right before the first chorus starts, the drums in it are so clear. And it's just, there's nothing else. And it's just the drums. And it is, 
oh my God, it was amazing. Like we heard it and we were like, oh my God, the drums. And we went back and listened to it like five times because so like we just, oh, it was amazing. And the, and the part when she's like the or the lyric, when she's like, in my dreams, you're touching my uh, face. My face. The way she sings touching, it's like almost like she's out of breath or like like her voice cracks, cracks. like she it was cracks. crying when she and was in the singing original it. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't, it's not she like doesn't do that and yeah. it almost like I was when, when we listened to Fearless the re-recording or Taylor's version it there were some songs that like lacked not lacked the emotion but it just wasn't fully there for for at least for us for certain songs you know, and so I was a little nervous because Red is such an emotional album, but like this song is in particular, like she, she nailed it. Like I, I, yeah. I feel it. I like I still it. hear the emotion in literally every single song that's on this album. And I didn't get that with Fearless. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, the only songs that disappointed me on this album were all the Martin and Shellback songs. I thought that those were lacking. Those are the only songs that I do not think were as good as the originals. There's definitely something missing. And I thought, so Wikipedia had Max Martin with a pr production credit for one of the vault tracks, but it actually is Elvira, not him, according to Spotify. And I Googled it and Max Martin is like really good friends with Scooter Braun. Yeah, we've had this discussion Ooh. before. There's a reason why he was not included in the re-recording because he was tied up in that. I didn't. I I'm that yeah. I, maybe I mean, my memory is not as good as it used to be because I don't remember that. I was like, speaking what? of, we need to have a whole other conversation on the Scooter Braun comments that just came out. I don't. Has anybody I, seen those besides what? me? No. No. What? Okay, I think Breaking this is important news. because this has to deal with the re-recording. Scooter Braun literally came out. Well, he didn't come out, but it came out that he, when he was pitching Taylor's <laughs> Masters for sale, he was telling the interested parties that Taylor's, like, threat to re-record was empty and that it was generating more sales for him and making him more money. And that's how he convinced people to buy her masters because he's like, he literally was like, oh yeah, she's not going to re-record them. And each time she like makes a big deal about it, everybody gets online and starts listening to the songs and it makes me more money is basically what he said. He's a dumbass. He's, he's a he's dick. Yeah, no, he's horrible. Anyways, okay, that's a side thing. Like we could totally like talk about that forever. So Steven, if all too well, not counting all too well. Yeah. Because Obviously, it's hard because, like, All Too Well is, like, on another, like, level. So not counting All Too Well, what would be your favorite off of Red Taylor's version? I think, I just almost said I think for me. Um, it would be. <laughs> Did anybody else see her catch herself about to say that on Seth Meyers? <laughs> yes. It would be Better Man just because I had never heard Better Man before. Like, I'd never heard Little Big Town's version of it. Really? So last night was my first time ever hearing anything other than like a little bit of the chorus. And the first verse, I sat there and I was like, why did I let myself go so long without hearing this song? 
I and, ugly cried to that song. Like, yeah. straight up ugly cried. Today's been back and forth between Temin All Too Well and Better Man. Just hopping back and forth. That song, Better Man, came out when Lizzie and I were working at Disney World. Lizzie, do you remember when it came yes. on the radio? And I was, we were either coming home from work or coming home from a park day. And I was like, did you know Taylor Swift wrote this song? And you were like, what? <laughs> And then it made, it made complete sense, though, because... Yeah, but at that point, we all still thought it was about Calvin Harris. Yes. Yes. Seriously. I still thought that. That's Even when, like, the music video came out, I was like, this is totally about Calvin Harris. I know. I thought it was about Calvin Harris until Taylor herself came out and was like, this was supposed to be on red. And even then, I was a little bit like, oh, she's backtracking. <laughs> we'll see, because it was if you think for him for that Calvin song Harris, came so, out, so, she yeah. was in Beachella. She yep. was in Bleachella, and she had just crashed those people's wedding, like, that random, like, couple's wedding, and, like, took a picture with them. This was right before she, like, disappeared. <laughs> and so I was like, this is totally about Calvin. <laughs> I was convinced. Well, yeah. with the whole, like, this is what you came for thing, like, yeah. I I totally, and, and, like, how secretive Little Big Town it was about who had written the song when mm-hmm. it was like first coming out. Cause Steven, obviously you said you'd never heard it. I don't know if you know this, but like, they were like, Oh, it was written by a friend of ours. We've known them for years. They're like, Interesting. like, yes, they did not say for a hot second. And people were like, it's Taylor Swift. It's Taylor Swift. And they were right. <laughs> did better man win a Grammy? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right? yeah it did. So, like, it did. Country song. Maybe country. As it should, but okay. Why was better? <sighs> Not a Grammy. Get, somebody's gonna like come to my house and shoot me for this, but why was the moment I knew added to this album, but Better Man was not? I'm sorry, I know it's a fan favorite, but Better Man is better than the moment I knew, and it's better than Girl at Home. Uh, like, Babe is better than both those songs, too. Like, Babe should have been included. I think they both should have been included, but Babe would have been an excellent song to include on like the original album, not even the deluxe yeah. version as a bonus track, because it's so upbeat. And like, yes, obviously, like I knew you were trouble and 22 and we are never ever getting back together or upbeat songs, but there's a lot of ballads on this album. And yeah. I think that Babe could have really balanced it out a little more. But my, I just I do not understand how those two songs didn't make the cut or even <laughs> deluxe tracks. Like, just, like, if we think about it, it, like, never would have happened, right? Because there's always cuts. But could you imagine if any one of these vault songs would have been released with the original version? Like, we would have murdered Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, he'd be dead. <laughs> but oh, especially, I have. bet you think about me. <laughs> she killed him. He's dead. That's yes. so- like honestly all too well 10 minute version doesn't even murder him as well as i bet you think about me does like no. yeah that song is like we'll, murder. we'll talk about that in a little bit we need to okay move on yes to, yeah move to the fifth question no the fourth wait oh yeah, yeah sorry see yeah that's why we definitely need to move on <laughs> <We're not laughs> yeah. okay i kind of okay okay bailey ask this question <laughs> Did your favorite song change after listening to Taylor's version from the original? Real quick, I'm going to say technically no, because my favorite from the original was Treacherous. And as of right now, five listens in, Treacherous is still my favorite. I'm I'm going to say mine did, because going in, all uh, not all too well, Um, I almost do, was my favorite. And while I 
I love the new version of I Almost Do. It, like we were saying earlier, it hits. It's yeah. so much sadder. I didn't think it could get sadder, and it did. And maybe next time I'm in a sad place, it will climb back to number one. But <laughs> for now, I just, like I said, Better Man really just struck a chord with me. But also, Begin Again? I was listening to Begin Again, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, oh. That was one of the only times where I really felt like I was hearing a song for the first time again, was Begin Again. Really? I thought that Begin Again was a beautiful, like, rendition and, like, very true to the original, and I absolutely loved it. I, in my notes, I have that, like, Begin Again, the instruments and the production of it, like, the background, it's so quiet. Like, you can barely hear the instruments, and in some parts of the song, it almost sounds like she's singing a cappella, which really gives it the emotion, right? Like... It really adds to the emotion. Also, uh, the song before beginning it is Starlight. So that's like a half, like upbeat song. She does mm-hmm. this a lot, I feel like, in, with this album. It's all over the place <laughs> in terms of, we, I mean, it's not really sonically cohesive. Red is normal. It's not. It just isn't. <laughs> but it's chaotic. But I think it's fitting because of the themes of the album. However, I thought that agreeing with you, Bailey, like, Begin Again is such a it's so soft and and it, it it's so sweet and it's so different than like you know some of her other songs on the album um so my original favorite song was red and i i still love red like it's just i mean it's it's red right but i don't really have like it's really hard for me to choose a favorite and i'm sure at some point like i'd be like yeah red's my favorite song but i just like don't know like they're all my favorite songs and I want to listen to them all at the same time. Like, I want them all to be playing all at the same time. <laughs> oh, I listened to this album so many times today. Kelly came home from work early. I took today off. I work from home anyway. And I had this album blasting on repeat on our TV with our sound system on all day. Kelly eventually, like, very quickly moved upstairs with his Xbox. <laughs> And then he comes down around dinner time and he's like, um, are you done yet? Are we going to listen to this all day? And I just looked at him and I was like, is this your first day here? Like, <laughs> yes, we're listening to this all day. I could just picture Kelly doing that kind of like rubbing, like, <laughs> no, um, I yes. I think a better man, like, it's just knowing, okay. This, the vault tracks and just Taylor's version really opened my mind to this relationship and how much it affected her and in the ways it affected her. Because before I just took it much more casually, like, okay, your first really big heartbreak. But after hearing these raw original lyrics on a lot of these songs, I just my perception and perspective of this has changed so much. And so these songs have a different meaning to me now a little bit. Obviously, like, I'm married, so, like, I can't really (laughs) relate to them anymore the way I used to. So when I'm listening to, like, Better Man, when I'm listening to All Too Well 10-Minute Version, I'm just picturing what she went through. And now, especially when we have a short film that accompanies it from her perspective, to put that in our perspective, it's, like, astronomical. But Better Man's probably my favorite, not counting, like, All Too Well, um just because I feel like I can you can feel her pain in that song a lot 
Yeah, and I've I've always thought that like even when Little Big Town released it, like I like could not believe that she gave that song away. <laughs> Seriously, same. I'm so glad it's on. I'm just so happy we got it on Taylor's yeah. version. And I love how it's different from Little Big Town. Like yes, I would I think- put that. I have that in my notes. Um, for both Better Man and Babe, I really like how she was able to really make it her own. And I don't feel that her version detracts from the Sugarland or the Little Big Town versions at all because it really is her own. And no, I, I, I love to, that she was able to do that. I will listen to hers and then immediately go listen to Little Big Town or Sugarland. Like that's how one good, but also two how different the songs are. Yeah. Okay, sorry to keep rushing us, but uh, Lizzie, what about you? So Treacherous was my favorite as well from the original version and I liked Treacherous on this one but uh, I know that we can't say that all too well the 10 minute version is the favorite. I mean you can say that but Um, like not including that. I can't like I don't know I I felt like there's all the other songs were great and I can't but I I guess Treacherous would still be the same, too, if I had to choose a second favorite. Okay. Um, so I guess I, I don't really change it either. Maybe a close, I guess it would be not second, but you know what I mean. State of Grace, I thought was amazing on this album. Like, I, I feel like when you start an album, it, it needs to, like, catch you by your ears. You need to be able to, like, really, and we talked about this, as soon as we started listening to it, we're like, okay, we're anticipating Taylor singing we like the instruments are building up and I just thought the production was amazing I like I it was so much better like better than the original like I just I oh I I got chills immediately when I first started listening to the album in general so State of Grace too is definitely a second favorite with Treacherous for me like at first I was kind of like a little worried listening to the first part of it but I did think that her vocals sounded way smoother, like almost like she was enunciating less, but obviously you could still understand her. It was kind of like the the vocals were less choppy to me, but um, I also like, by the time we got to the bridge, I was like, this is it. Like, this is my song, man. And I was like trying so hard not to scream the bridge for Treacherous. So that's why like not including all too well, that's why I have to say that that one's still my favorite. Okay. Next question. So what is your least favorite song on Red Taylor's version? Immediately Girl at Home. <laughs> Taylor has a personal vendetta against that song. I, just I am the only person in the universe on this planet who has ears who liked the original Girl at Home. That's not true. I liked it. I was upset when I heard that it was different. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. It started playing and I was like, what the fuck did she do to Girl at Home? Yeah, that's basically how it literally went verbatim in our group chat. No, that is not verbatim. I never liked the song. I always thought it was problematic. I, I hate I hate the whole idea behind it. I hate it. I hate what she did with it. And honestly, I feel like Wait. I feel like Scooter could have kept it and it wouldn't have detracted <laughs> from any love, album because what this you song love better than her I know it was right. Understand people don't like the line where she's like, I, "I might like if I was a stupid girl." That's the only really bad thing that she says. The rest of it says, "She's like girl code, man. Like leave me the fuck alone. Like 
back up. You have a girlfriend. I'm not going to be like your side. Like on yes. one hand, I'm like, oh, what it would be like to be a main character where like a guy would be interested enough in, in you, like where he would like consider cheating on his Shut girl. The fuck up, Rebecca. You are the main character. <laughs> yeah, this reminds me of the time like pretend. Like two months ago when Chandler was like talking to me about like one of my ex kind of flings and she's like, he was really obsessed with you. He told you he loved you. And I was like, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> she's like trying to go into like greater detail. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> I had like, yeah, no... Rebecca, do not say that you're not the main character. Don't do it. Don't do it. Continue with your thought, but like, do not pretend. Her self-aware I'm toxic and so like I'm like like what would it be like if like a guy like would try like want me enough that he'd like risk it all like um that gets kitty cat hyperventilate laughing at your dumb ass (laughs) I just I don't understand what happened with this production. Yeah, I don't. Like, what the fuck? She knew that most people in the fandom did not like this song. And it kind of, like, felt like a demo to begin with. Like, I loved it, but it felt like a demo to begin with. And so she was like, okay, nobody really likes this song. I'm gonna do whatever I want. And she was like, Elvira, let's go, bitch. That's what my thought was when I was first listening to it, because I know the complaint that I always heard. And also, when I... I'm going to finish this thought, and then I'm going to say something else. Um, The complaint that I always heard was that, like, it felt like it wasn't a finished song. And so I feel like the dial really went from not finished to way too finished, too much going on. What are you doing? Overcompensation, baby. But but I will say, I actually liked Babe less than Girl at Home. Babe was actually my least favorite song on my first listen through. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's that so many people had been like... I'm so excited for you to hear Better Man and Babe or whatever. And then I got through Better Man and it was the best thing I'd ever heard. And then Babe just, I was sitting there and I was kind of like, I was waiting to get into it and I just never did. And then it was over. Oh, okay, cool. I gotta say, have you, so you've never heard the Sugarlands version of Babe, right? No. So I would invite you to listen to Sugarland's version and maybe like you'll have a different insight for Babe. Cause maybe I think that I liked when Taylor sang it, but I still kind of like Sugarland's version of Babe a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. Okay. Sugarland's version is so good. And then after you listen to Sugarland's version, because technically it features Taylor, then yes. go onto the internet, obviously. That's where we watch videos. Um, and watch the like watch when she brought them on Reputation tour, so good. And they sang that song. I love when they do Ooh. their like dance when they're saying they when they're saying yep. they. I love it. I'll, okay, like, I will. I will look into developing an appreciation for Babe because like I, I only listened to it the one time, and yeah. I don't I don't want to like give up on the song. But I just was kind of like, huh. Not no, like it's I, good. It's a good song. I totally get like it's it's very it's different from the Sugarland version. Obviously, you haven't heard it, but there's a they're produced very differently. So okay. you, if you don't like, I'm not don't like, but if that one's your least favorite, you might really enjoy the Sugarland version. And then also the lead singer of Sugarland and Taylor have very different voices too. Yeah. So yeah, like I know Sugarland. I've just never. I just somehow never heard Babe. Yeah. I don't know how it happened. Watch the music video because Taylor's in it and she's a redhead. That I've seen pictures of the music video and it looks I have to I have to 
I do have to go listen to Better Man and Babe now, the Little Big Town Sugarland version. Yeah. Yeah. What happened was like when it started being rumored that they would be on Red, I kind of was like, I want the first time I hear them to be then. So now yeah. I'm making the conscious decision not to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. So, but um, definitely go listen to like the original, like released versions. Yeah. Okay. Did everybody answer that question? I didn't, but okay. I don't know which one to pick. That sounds so bad. Um, what did I'll just go with girl at home. It's fine. Baby has a vendetta. I'm not saying that. You know that TikTok that we made with Scooter and we we used the sound that he look you look like garbage rap. That's how I feel about that song. That's how I feel about girl at home. <laughs> oh my god. I don't mean to be rude, but you look strong like opinions. Strong I just opinions. can't. I respect you as an individual. It is but I no. disagree. It's not it. I'm sorry. It's it's not it. I can't pick one because anyways, so let's move on. Okay. Okay, Lizzie. No, Rebecca. Oh, it's my turn. Okay. Shh. Okay, hold on. Um hold <laughs> up. Okay. Do you want me to tell you what the question is? <laughs> I got it now. It took me a second. Like, and the funny thing was is I literally just had it up and then I like spaz. And then you, know? you had to go to PerezHilton.com. <laughs> yeah. Again, he's trash, but you can pry his trash from my cold, dead hands. Um, Steven, if you ever want to know all the celebrity gossip, just go to Bex. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. Okay, I won't even, we can't even go there right now because there's yeah. so much I have, like, in my mind on celebrity gossip right now that I just like, well, like We're doing well. so much time, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite song from The Vault? Which I feel like this is an obvious one, but... Could be not oh, including yeah. all not too well. Including. We have version. to not include all too well, and not well, including Better Man or Babe. Babe. Okay, wait. I want to go first because I didn't answer the last one, so oh, I'm okay. just gonna take over, and all you can just bow down to me, peasants. Um, I Stephen, <laughs> for the record, is actually like bowing a little bit. So let I the record think show think about me. I bet you think about me. I will die on the hill that this is the best vault track because, first of all, first of all, it is so sassy. It is speak now, sass level, Taylor. And, oh, my gosh. I just, mm, I, so good. It's so bitter. I love it because I'm a very bitter person. I don't like people. I'm not nice on a decent day. On a bad day, I will bury you. And so... This song just really resonates with me, like on a deeper level. And also, like the insider info we got into this, like, oh, yes. that, I was like, this man ain't shit. <laughs> so, agree. Other than, you know, all too well, 10 minute version, I bet you think about me. Obviously, like, we already know Rebecca and I are toxic as fuck. <laughs> we already know. So, it should be no surprise. But, oh my God, the way she absolutely killed this man like the the like um, organic shoes and million dollar dollar couch. yeah she <laughs> really got like, taylor was like trying to be like not an exaggeration. like taylor you were upper middle class <laughs> like let's not pretend you were country hoeing it down like but there is a difference between growing up on a farm community. even if it's a nice farm 
There is. There is 100%. But, like, it was, and I know okay. she was There was. Like, no, we, we do know she didn't live there for very long. <laughs> That's what, there was a moment, like, in the song where I think she mentions, like, the bills being on the kitchen table and stuff. And I was kind of like, okay. But they got paid, right? Like, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, like, one, she did have a co-writer on this. So maybe they were trying to lean into, like, the country trope of, like, you know, blue collar, like, whatever. Like, I think we sometimes do Taylor a disservice by, like, assuming that every single aspect of her songs is autobiographical. <laughs> like, this she has... <laughs> I, I said aspect. I didn't say song in general. I said aspect. So they could have been leaning into the, like, I'm from... I grew up on a... Tr- on a farm and you grew up in Beverly Hills whatever but yes when I heard that I was like uh ma'am like (laughs) it's very well documented where you grew up (laughs) it's like when your best friend's like like when your best friend's like in the wrong about something but you still support them so you're like oh yeah (laughs) also I think the best part about it is like the the song itself like the production of the song is very country they released it country radio and I want it to do well like Betty they did not play Betty on country radio like i want them to play this it's got chris stapleton and country radio because my thing like betty's country it was like okay you have a harmonica very cool but like still you're just kind of walking the line this from the first line she sang the way she was singing the twang was there and i'm like okay she pulled out that accent so quick yeah Yeah. i don't know if you guys noticed this but her accent and her pronunciation was very reminiscent of casey musgrave's same trailer different park album yeah that was a 2012 to 2013 album actually yeah um in that time frame then it sounded almost exactly like something Casey would have written on that album. Like if you would have told me Casey Musgraves would have written that song, I would have believed you because it was so production wise, very similar. Anyways, going on, Steven, your favorite vault track. So my favorite was also, I bet you think about me, but because we just kind of dove into that, I do also feel like it would be worth mentioning nothing new and how great Taylor and Phoebe were together. Yes. Yes, I'm so glad that we finally got a female artist feature. Yes, she, yes. that's what we're, Bailey and I are the talking full, about. She gets a full verse and a full chorus to herself. And that's this is like one of the first time we we've actually seen that. Yeah, and I love it. And their voices together, like oh when they sing together. God. Oh my god! Said in our red countdown, that's what I said because I know I posted our red countdown like featuring me today. Friday, the day that the song came out, so after I would have heard the the album, but I like did all of it yesterday afternoon before the album came out, and I was like, I feel like Phoebe Bridgers, Taylor Swift, they're very similar artistically, but also their voices. I just know they're gonna sound amazing together. It did not disappoint. It did not. No, it was so good. I think it might get the credit it deserves because Phoebe's on it and she's really hot right now. But I really hope it does because I feel like this could be a very majorly underrated song. And it's very heartbreaking. Yes. Like when you actually like really listen to the lyrics, the lyrics, it's like the sister of Mirrorball. And it made me so sad because this thought has been just like re- reverberating in my mind over the past like week before the song came out. The idea of Mirrorball and that concept is so sad. And I feel like we just kind of skipped over that on, you know, this on folklore. And 
the idea of her feeling like she has to constantly change to be interesting and shiny and new for people and to stay relevant and to a degree almost feeling like she is a caged circus animal for people to come and look at and like put on display and like perform for you to entertain you heartbreaking and I feel like nothing new echoed like these similar thoughts just a decade previously and but I also feel like the reason why we never got it is because her talking about getting drunk in the song and I feel like with her previous record label that is absolute trash they wouldn't like let her release it because of that I was just gonna say with Mirabal kind of going back to how I talked about earlier with the aesthetics of the album start albums all starting to feel similar I do think it is nice knowing like with Mirabal and the way she was feeling that she has kind of found a place that she likes to be and she's finding a way to instead of re because I've seen some people talk about like oh my gosh 1989 can't be next because her hair is so long if we were going to get 1989 she'd have to have a bob and I was like that's not true she doesn't need to go back fully into these places like I mean if that was the case like she would have gone like she would have freaking curled her hair for fearless like yeah right so like it's nice to see that she hopefully is feeling comfortable to drift away from needing to reinvent herself every time and she's found the place where she'd like to sit as an artist and just be that's a beautiful thought and like I agree because it's almost like a disservice to her to like expect her to go fully into these eras again because she did that under a previous record label who really screwed her over and this experience while I'm sure it's been cathartic for her and to a degree satisfying that she's able to own her own music we can't forget it's also heartbreaking the whole reason of her having to do this to begin with and the feelings that all of this must bring up every single time she dives into these these tracks again and especially the vault tracks that didn't make the cut because I'm sure these tracks were discussed around roundtable at some point in direct talks with her management and that label and I'm sure she's remembering those conversations and she's just reliving this over and over but she does it so she can one own her masters and be in control of them again and two for the fans so before we move on I have three thoughts they're very quick about nothing new My first thought upon hearing this song was that this is the lucky one from Taylor's point of view. Yes, I agree. Um, That's in my notes, too. And then as I was listening, I was like, was this really written in 2011? Or was, like, was this written now? Like, is she, like, trying to pull one over on us? But then she had the line, how can someone know everything at 18 and nothing at 22? Will you still want me when I'm nothing new? That was in Lover. That was in the Lover journals. Does anybody else remember that? Oh my God, no. Yes, as soon as I heard this, I was like, I've seen this before. It's in the Lover journals. I don't know which one I have all four. No time to get into it right now. But that's all I, those, oh, okay. And then third thought that I wanted to say, the bridge where she's talking about like someone new is going to come along. She specifically says that they're 17. They're going to say, like, I, I I know what I'm doing. I got the map from you. And Taylor's like, I'm going to say thank you so much and then cry myself to sleep. That's that's Olivia Rodrigo. Like, she wrote this in 2011. She wrote this in 2011. And that whole thing, obviously, I hope she didn't cry herself to sleep. But 
Olivia was 17 when driver's license came out. She's a very vocal Swifty. She has obviously like interpolated like a, a couple of different Taylor songs with her own music. Like, and she, she knows what she's doing because of Taylor. Like she paved her own way because Taylor paved it as well. Like she paved her own way. Taylor paved the way for her. Obviously Olivia is doing her own thing, but like, okay. Those are the only thoughts that I had. And now Bailey can, <laughs> can go. No, I was just going to say, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I was going to say that all too well, the 10 minute version, I feel like there are so many parallels between that and some of the other vault tracks. Like she mentions in all too well, there's the part where she's like, what was she like? And she's talking about herself, like asking Jake, like, what was I like to you? And she's like asking that question. And then in nothing new, she's like, will you still like me if I'm nothing new like the chase is over do you still like me go ahead bouncing off of that the number of times on this whole album specifically in begin again and then I bet you think about me and all too well 10 minute version the number of times she mentions that Jake Gyllenhaal didn't think she was funny if I ever see that man it's on site like (laughs) I'm you I, that's so that like, like I, why would you tell somebody that you're dating <laughs> like why would you tell somebody that you're dating that you don't think they're funny like the fuck <laughs> like, see, that's my issue like that's why like these vault tracks I'm like oh my gosh because like when I went into this I was like okay Swifties you guys are being like crazy like it's been a decade leave Jake alone like it's mm-hmm. in the grave then I listened to All Too Well, the 10-minute version, and all these vault tracks, and I'm like, no, no, he's free game, free range, let's go. We yeah, ride it I, down. When <laughs> Red came out the first time, Taylor, I think, in an interview, and I have not been able to find this, so maybe I'm making this up and somebody can correct me, but did she not say that, she, like, after the album came out, or maybe, like, shortly before the album came out, she, Jake Gyllenhaal emailed her and was like, this was like really beautiful, like a, a great way to look back at this relationship and like no hard feelings type of thing. Am I making that up? I don't know. I don't know. If I don't he know. did, if he did <laughs> I don't know. I that remember. just makes it work. LOL. That yeah. makes it work. <laughs> but I mean, like, obviously, we should have known. I know everybody like talks about how this was like a three month relationship, but obviously, from the vault tracks, we do know. They only publicly dated for three months. They were probably together for a bit longer than that. Like, well, it, you know. Secret. You kept me like a secret, but I kept you like an oath. Yeah. And then also the fact that in All Too Well, the 10-minute version, she's like three months in the grave or in the ground or whatever she says. But, I mean, we should have known from We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together that they were off and on for a hot second there. And, like, yes, when you're 20 years old, like, uh, you can be heartbroken after like a three month relationship. You can be heartbroken after a one month relationship. Hell, when you're like 30, you can still be heartbroken off. Like there's no like time limit for when you can fall in love with somebody. There's just not. But I think that it's very clear that she dated him for a lot longer than we knew about. And I think that's the case for a lot of her relationships, save for maybe, maybe John Mayer. I think that there's a good chance that that was a... <laughs> as long as we knew about it type of thing. Also, okay, guys, like- pause. I found the quote that Chandler was talking about. This is exactly what she said. She told in an issue of a magazine to New York, he was like, I just listened to the album, and that was a really bittersweet experience for me. It was like going through a photo album. So, yeah. Why would you reach out? 
Who do you think you are? Get off your laptop. I mean, I think he thinks he's Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, he's like so full of himself. Like he's so I know. He's He's such a narcissist. Yes, he's such a narcissist. Oh, that is very clear. It's so clear that he's a narcissist. He's pretending. I said something. I was like, he's a pretentious narcissistic toad. I think that's what I said to you. Like I just, I cannot with this man. Oh, you were talking about my ex boyfriend, not about Jake. Oh, I mean it's true, but whatever. Because it was blending together. If I was the like, shoe fits, lace that bitch up. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's move on because we're... Wait, did Lizzie answer that question? What was uh, your favorite song from the vault? What what question were we on? I'm The off. vault track. What's your favorite song from the vault? Um, yeah, I answered this. Oh, okay. Okay. I nothing new. Nothing okay. new. And I said also a close runner-up, run. Close runner-up, run. run? So cute. I uh, I just really think that this was the Voltrek I was most excited for because I love Ed Sheeran and Taylor together. Their harmonies are amazing. And I was not disappointed. Also, Ed understood the assignment here. Like, 100% understood what was happening. I gotta say, Gary Lightbody and Ed Sheeran really pulled through with their vocals on this album. Absolutely. I don't want to go Very. off on a tangent, but the last time I have always loved the last time. Yes, yeah. But this version, Taylor's version, it sounds like a Snow Patrol song, like even more than the original. Like this sounds like classic Snow Patrol, like let's waste time chasing cars, man. Yes. Like Gary started singing, and I just immediately I was like, okay, his sound is different. He's definitely like closer to the mic than he was when he recorded this the first time. He's doing yeah, a lot sure. of things differently. And then Taylor came in and I was like, but she's exactly the same. So now I'm just listening to him because he sounds so different. And then that was, oh, the last time was so good. And then everything has changed. I've never really liked everything has changed, if I'm being honest. But then there was just something about Ed, like like you said, he like he just knew what he was doing and they sounded great. The word I used for run was pleasant. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. But Rebecca's like, about to crush all of our hearts with her opinions. Sorry, continue, Steven, and then let's let Rebecca bring us all down. <laughs> Run was like a quaint little song that I was happy to hear, but I'm not yeah. sure I'd go back to. No, I mean, I feel the same way about Run. Like, it's kind of like the epitome of, like, when you tell somebody they have a sweet spirit, like, you're like, <laughs> I can see that. I had a totally, I just, I totally forgot what I was going to say, though. So completely I just like I agree with Steven though on run like I was so disappointed I try not to get like hyped up about it because like I love Ed I love Ed and Taylor I loved everything has changed and so like I was trying like so hard not to like over hype it in my mind like and yeah did okay just, like, so with everything has changed sorry I know we're talking about run but real quick everything has changed it started out, and I thought it was going to be the remix, you know, the version where Ed sings the full second verse instead of them splitting it. And I wanted it to be that so bad, but it makes sense that it wasn't. But was anybody else, like, sad about that, or was that just me? <laughs> like, can we get an Everything Has Changed featuring Ed Sheeran remix Taylor's version? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not making any sense. Steven, have you heard the remix? <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't know there was two versions. I don't listen to Everything Has Changed. I just never was able to get into it. That I, that so, honestly probably has changed now. Violation. 
Okay, hand over your Swifty card. Let's go, um, man. Well, I had it for I knew I had it for too long at this point. <laughs> it was overdue. Um, but the remix version is similar to how they performed it on the Red Tour, which on the Red Tour, I like lost my mind. First of all, Ed Sheeran opened for that tour. And like I know that that man is a little problematic, but when people say that he's not talented, I have to be like, you have no idea. He is actually very talented. Like, he's quite talented. Like, I, you, can, you can say anything you want about the fact that he, like, lied about whatever that, like, environmental thing in his backyard was. I don't know. But man has talent. Like, he may be selling out a little bit, but his music's still good, and he can still fucking sing. Like, yeah. anyway. I and went to his fuck. concert, I don't even know, back in 2014? It was like a, I was, it was like a $45 ticket, the concert, which I don't think they're that, they're definitely way more expensive now. Um, But we somehow lucked out, my roommates and I, and we ended up going and we were on the floor level and it was unbelievable. It was just him and his fucking guitar. And I lost my mind. I was like. He's incredible. He's incredible. And on the red tour, if you haven't, if you didn't get the chance to go to the red tour he opened for her and then he came and did everything has changed with her obviously and he sang the whole verse the whole second verse and then a few months after i mean it was while the red tour was still going on but after i had seen it they released almost the tour version of the song but a studio version of the tour version and that's the remix and i kind of like the like bridge is a little different too like in terms of the instrumentation and i like that better um and then like there's a little bit more drums which is how the beginning of taylor's version of everything has changed started and so i thought it was about to be the version where like ed gets his full verse and it wasn't and i was a little disappointed but i still thought it was really good okay who else has not, who has not answered what question are we on <laughs> like what's your favorite song we're on question seven now so lizzie which re-recording do you prefer the red taylor taylor's version or fearless taylor's version for me it's red and i part of me acknowledges that that definitely has to do with the fact that it just came out last night so i am curious to see what happens once i sit with it for a little bit but i will say they're were way fewer moments on red where i was like oh that's that's different and i'm kind of gonna miss the way it was than there were on fearless personally like just bouncing off of like that i i agree so like for me i prefer fearless as an album for nostalgia reasons and like all that junk but I do like the Red re-recording better so far. And then I will say that I like the vault tracks on Red much more than I like the vault tracks on Fearless. But I don't know if that's like a, like, because there are just so many more on Red or because I just actually like them better. Time will tell. But maybe it's because she was older. She was four years older when she recorded Red. Her voice, while still sounding way different from... 2012 now to now sounds a little she sounded so much more youthful on the original fearless like you could tell she was still a kid when she recorded that that album um and i think maybe that's part of the reason why i feel like red taylor's version just and like again they're sound alikes like that's the point of them but as major swifties we know like (laughs) there's differences that we can tell yeah like 
But I, I think maybe that's part of it is that she was older, so she sounds a little bit more the same. I also, I'm not to go back to me, but no, go back to you, go back to you. <laughs> and just thinking about the vault tracks, I also think the way that she released Fearless affected my experience with the vault because there were only six songs and going into the album we already had two of them so it was and i know like for me i didn't really love that's when or don't you and on first listen i didn't love bye bye baby which now i love and i'm a fool but um so like coming out of fearless i really only had one new song that i was like yeah i really liked that Whereas coming out of Red, all of them. I'm like, oh, these are great. Yes, I think that that's part of it. But I gotta say, Stephen, we got the receipts. You liked Don't You at first. Because we I did all- like Don't You at first. Yeah, because I- the four of us, we had talked in our group chat about how we didn't, like, we felt like Don't You didn't fit on Fearless. And we, like, had mentioned that. And you were like, not me, like, loving Don't You and it being my favorite vault track. <laughs> that's you're... But things change over they months. They do. No, no I... you're right. That's true. <laughs> That's crazy. Thinking about the fact that I would have said it was my favorite. I guess, thinking about it, I did like it. I haven't listened to it since, like, May. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's how I feel about a lot of the Vault songs yeah. from Fearless Taylor's version. I I mean, Mr. Perfectly Fine is probably still my favorite <laughs> out of that, but that's a whole other subject. But it just... <sighs> I agree with what you were saying, Chandler. I didn't even write that in my notes, but I agree. Like, Fearless is still my favorite album in general. But as far as re-recordings, Red is just nailing it. And, like, there are still some songs on Red that we can tell that are very different in certain ways, but it's still not... There was emotion lacking in a lot of the songs in Fearless. Yes. And I and I said this before, I didn't get it that when I listened to the re-recordings of Red. I heard the emotion. Maybe there was like, I guess Bailey and I found something really funny with We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Because Taylor's voice has matured so much and her voice is deeper and stronger. When she does the we and it's like we she's oh like my gosh, she's like screeching. And they, I did not like the like, we in this in Taylor's version. Yes, it is my, so bad. It's, it's and then once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And then you're like, oh God. Cause then Bailey and I listened to the original version. We wanted to like compare. And we were like, oh my God. Like it 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 doesn't have that high pitch as, as it much. It and I also, go ahead, Steven. I just, it's also really obvious in this version, in like in Taylor's version, that the high pitch, like the wee, yeah. is sung separately from the rest of the chorus yes. and integrated in. Like it's very obviously yeah. a set a separate sound clip. Yeah. Well, so when Taylor originally did Red, and I might be wrong about this, but. Didn't she still use actual backup singers? It wasn't until 1989 that she did all the, like, the majority. Like, she did some of the backing vocals on Red, I think. But I think that she still had, like, Liz Hewitt at that time as a background singer on her album. I don't remember. I think that, like, she still had other people contributing to the background vocals for the original Red. And I think that 
at least for We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, Taylor's version, it's just her. And, like, the Wii's definitely sound off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. Glad we have the same notes. That means we're, right. we're doing it. I mind. Yes. I like them. I like both Fearless and Fearless Taylor's version and Red Taylor's version. Like, I like them the same, but I like them both for, for different reasons. So, like... Fearless gives us a new perspective on, like, the fairy tales, right? Like, she just sounds so happy in some of these songs. And you can tell that, like, when she's singing, like, you can hear her smiling when she's singing. But again, like, in some of the songs, the emotion was kind of lacking. But I didn't get that from from Red at all. Like, no, it's, still, it's still the breakup album. Like, this will always be the go-to breakup album. Like, just, you just, you cry to it, right? So I, I feel like it like that. I also felt like the Voltracks were better overall. Like I didn't feel that they were really misplaced. Like some of the ones on Fearless were like there were like two or three where we were like, mm, that's more debut or like that's more 1989 than anything. But I feel like most, maybe with the exception of one on Red, like I felt like they were all pretty true to Red. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing with, like, the vault tracks, though. Like, I think that the reason that they fit on Red better than they fit on Fearless is because Red was already, like, a a weird mashup of, like, a bunch of different genres. So, like, having Jack Antonoff produce three of the vault tracks and, like, having, you know, Aaron Dessner produce, like, two of them like I don't know how I don't know the actual numbers but like having different producers with different sounds specifically Jack like we know he's got a very specific sound you can tell which ones are Jack songs on the vault tracks of this album because he really loved the like horns on these songs um which I loved but on Fearless that felt out of place like that's the reason why we like the four of us were like uh don't you doesn't feel like it fits because it was produced by Jack and it felt like it should have been on like something like 1989 because of the production. But with the vault tracks, like she's re-recording these songs that theoretically nobody has heard before. So she can do whatever she wants with them. And the production doesn't really matter. It doesn't actually have to fit with the genre of the album at this point. But I think the reason why it makes more sense for Red is because Red was already like that. She was already experimenting with different genres. Yeah. yeah. I- I also think, like, for those who did commit to going in order, something about having the 10-minute version waiting for you at the end made it feel like, like, I felt like Red went by faster than Fearless, despite being four songs and roughly half an hour longer. Yes. Because with Fearless, as it was going, I I was losing stamina to get through it, because it was, what, 26? It was just so many songs. And the end was just, Bye Bye Baby, this song, I don't know, the end of the album. But with this, it was with every song that went by, I was one step closer to finally hearing the 10-minute version of All Too Well. And that really kept me going through the album and kept me attentive with every song and didn't let me fade out near the end of it. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that was definitely intentional of Taylor to have that All Too Well 10-minute version at the end. Oh, yes. We were anticipating it. I've Uh been anticipating it. Yeah, I agree. Now, do you guys, I have a quick question, but do you guys, are you guys going to listen to All Too Well Taylor's version or are you going to listen to All Too Well 
Taylor's version or 10 minute version, Taylor's version. Like, can you go back to listening to just all too well? Or is it always going to be the 10 minute version from here on out? Because I feel like I don't think I could go back to listening to just all too well. I feel like I I think I always if I want to listen to all too well, I think I have to listen to the 10 minute version. I can't if, go back. If you had asked me this question yesterday, I would have said I won't have time to listen to a 10 minute song just like regularly. <laughs> So, of course, I'll go back to the five-minute one, but it'll be a nice treat to have the ten-minute one when I want it. And then today I proved to myself that, yes, I can listen to a ten-minute song whenever I want, and I will be listening to it forever. I actually thought it was going to be really hard to go to the ten-minute one from the one that I have so much, like, like, I related to the original All Too Well so much. Like, that song... It, it was so relevant to my life when it came out, like, to a degree that it was almost scary. Like, everything that Taylor was going through, I was going through it just a little bit after. So, like, when Red came out, like, All Too Well perfectly summed up, like, what was going on in my life. And I still, like, for, like, the nostalgia of it and, like, just the fact that it's all too well, like, I love all too well, but I know that I have to, like, keep listening to the 10-minute version, like, memorize it, because, like, I feel like she, that's gonna be it for her, like, she said on Seth Meyer, that's the version of all too well that all too well was supposed to be, that's what, I, I mean, I think that's what she's gonna be playing on tour from now on, like, I'm going to have to, and not that I don't want to, but, like, I don't do well with change. That's why, like, these re-recordings have been a super fun treat, but also really hard for me a little bit <laughs> because I, like, like things to stay the same. But, I mean, it's going to be a little bit of, like, both for me. Like, I'm going to want to listen to the original because it's the original, but I'm also going to want to listen to the 10 minute version because it's the 10 minute version. Like I truly did not think we would, that thing, I didn't think that thing would ever see the light of day. Like I should have known when she talked about it on that podcast, what was that last year where she talked about how it was like in a drawer somewhere. Like I should have known that was an Easter egg, but I was like, Oh, this is her telling us she has no fucking idea where it is and we'll never see it. But I think that's, I mean, I'm going to have to. So in terms of all too well, like 10 minute version versus like the original version that we're used to, which is like really weird to say, because obviously the 10 minute version is the original version. We just yep. didn't have it as an original yeah. version. Yeah. Anyway, so the, uh, the all too well that, uh, that was originally, you know, published, I like that one better sonically speaking in terms of it makes my OCD tendencies happy with the layout of that song. Obviously, the 10-minute version was something that happened when she came into a studio and they just started singing and that's what it turned into and that's the beauty of it. And I love it, but in terms of like sonically pleasing, I do like the one that we've been used to for a decade better. But I do almost want to savor and like gatekeep in a way. Obviously, that will never happen because this has been shouted from the rooftops the 10 minute version because it's just it just it's so personal and it's so raw I just like want to like mother hen Taylor even though it's a decade later and she's like recorded this with the love of her life by her side now which is like really special to think about it that way like as she has to take the bandages off like all these wounds kind of thing that she has 
that person there for her, but still like want to mother hen her because like I just he wrecked her. He wrecked her. The things yes. that he did to her were just awful. And the way that he made her feel was horrendous. And that just really came out after listening to that version and all the vault tracks. And it just it killed me. Like to hear this to how much pain she went through. And in terms of like what re-recording is my favorite. Again, kind of like what Bailey was saying, I like them both equally for different things. I think it was Chandler that said nostalgia for Fearless. With Fearless, the way I look at it, it's as if it's an escapism for me. When I listen to Fearless now, it's escapism. Almost like when you pick up a book and you're reading it to like kind of transport you to a different like little world or whatever. That's kind of how I feel with Fearless because it's so far in the past for me now, high school was. So when I listen to it, I'm listening to it with that purpose. Red is a little bit more newer and it's those matured emotions of that like really deep cutthroat first heartbreak that everybody will always remember and it will like it always like forever irrevocably changes that person I feel like. And so because of that I will listen to this one with a more like present like in the now mind like time frame. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. all those wounds, like when Red originally came out, like if we were going through something, I definitely want like 2012 to 2013 was some of the worst years of my life. I'm not going to lie. And so this album is hard for me to listen to because it just brings back all those negative like things I was going through. But it's hard, like exactly, because like I think for everybody who listens to this album, they relate it to because Taylor writes such relate like it's crazy she can write such specific like music but it's so specifically relatable that yes. and that is like part of her magic um and what she's been able to build her brand off of and I think that's exactly how it's captured in all too well I'm also a very like complicated person and so I feel like red really captures like all those emotions because it's just so it's not sonically cohesive and it's all over the place. And that's just kind of how I am as a person, truly. And so it's really nice to listen to that album because I feel like you get a little bit of everything there. Fearless was like purely country, pretty much. Pop country is what I'll stay with to not upset the like crazy, like diehard like country fans. But, you know, with Red, we got so much. And even on the vault tracks, I was listening to them. I'm like, this song could have been off Fearless. This one definitely was Speak Now vibes. This one, like, Girl at Home with the, the 1989 style production. I'm like, okay, if this was what she originally had in mind, we can, we're literally witnessing her transformation into a different, like, era. And so, like, and then you got, like, the full-on pop songs with, like, I Knew You Were Trouble. And then I Bet You Think About Me. That is the most country song she has done since, like, debut. No, and that's, like, yeah whoa maybe like one of the most country songs she's ever done like with the trope that she leaned into the sassy yeah. mid-2000s women's country you know type that she leaned into with that song anyways so yeah yeah I'm just gonna um, not to cut you off but let's move on to our last question thoughts on what is next for Taylor Swift any interesting theories oh man selfishly, I really want it to just be the fact that the signed CDs cost $20.10 and the font was purple and that's Speak Now and Speak Now comes out in a few months. 
That is yes. what I want it to be. But a bunch of people pointed out that signed Fearless CDs were 1989. Last night when she played Box of Lies, someone pointed out to me that she took box number one and then Jimmy yep. took box number five and then she took box number three. Yeah. So like that could be the order. There's just so many signs that she's leaving that part of me wonders if she's not actually even pointing to anything specific so much as she's just referencing everything that's left to it, keep the conversation alive. Like she's playing into our theories, you know, like we each have these theories, right? Also, Enchanted is trending on TikTok. Yeah. And when Wildest Dreams was trending, she just gave it to us. Hey, here, congratulations. So, I mean, like, you just I don't know. So I feel like she's playing into our theories, you yeah. know? She's messing with us. Yeah. With Wildest Dreams, it was more of a coincidence because we do know that it was already re-recorded because it yeah. was in all those, like, Spirit Untamed. It was already re-recorded. We knew that. And maybe uh, she did like, like, so you finish, you finish. No, I was just going to say, like, maybe, like, she had to have had that song finished. Like, maybe the whole album is done. I don't know. But I have heard that because of the lawsuit that is still going on with Shake It Off, she can't re like, she can't release Shake It Off. I don't know how true that is. These are just rumors on the internet. Yeah. Believe everything that you read on the internet and people will just bake shit up. But I mean, if that's true, she could have all of 1989 re-recorded and she just can't release it, which is why she like teased 1989 so like hard, like in the spring and the summer after Fearless. And then we ended up getting red. Like I think in a perfect world, it would have been Fearless in the spring, 1989 in the summer, Red in the fall, and then, you know, debut and speak now in 2022, and then reputation in, like, early 2023. I don't actually know. Like, this is the point. Like, we don't actually know anything. Like That's what, in I, my mind, if the gap, like, let's let's just say speak now comes next. If the gap between red and speak now is seven months, like it was between fearless and red, then I don't think we were ever supposed to get 1989. Yeah. If the gap between Red and Speak Now is only like three months, then I think something went wrong and it was supposed to be an album every few months and 1989 just had to get bumped. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I personally think that Speak Now is coming next. I don't know why. It's just like a gut feeling that I have. I think that Speak Now is coming next. We're going to get it around March or April of 2022. And again, nothing that this is just how I feel about it. This is no proof, hypothetical. no evidence. But this is all, yeah, Listen, I have gut feelings about things sometimes. I'm like a little bit psychic. talked about this. <laughs> I have predicted, I predicted that Lizzie was going to have something with some guy that we worked with in Disney and I was right. And I told her, I didn't know if it was going to be good or bad. And then it ended up being bad. Oh, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I've also guessed correctly, like four out of five of my friends, like babies, genders, which like, again, you got a 50% chance of ha being correct, but those I have dreams about. So I think I'm a little psychic. Just a yeah, little no, bit. you literally had dreams about me being pregnant before I told you I was pregnant, and it was very early on. Yes, wow. I dreamed that my friend Rachel gave birth to her baby and that it was a girl, and she, like, was obviously pregnant, um, and she didn't know the gender. She wanted it to be a surprise. I dreamed that she gave birth, and it was a girl, 
as she was at the hospital giving birth and it was a girl. So I am like convinced I'm a little psychic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I have a gut feeling that it's going to be speak now next, but it could be 1989. Like we know nothing. What if she just like throws us completely off track and it's just like debut? I would die. I would love that. Like I like I love debut. That like brings me back, man. I would be so happy with that, but I would be pissed if I'd lie is not of all track. I don't think she's in any rush to like re-record debut because her fan base isn't entirely country anymore. And it's probably the least yeah. liked album among the fan base. Really? I'm not speaking for myself. I'm just saying like a general statement. And also the country music industry. Okay. The country music industry has been okay to Taylor, but the country music fans base in general have been really mean to Taylor. Yeah. And a lot of them are like, you're a cop out. You're a sellout. Like you left country music. But on the same note, they've always said like, you were never truly country. So I feel like when she like goes back to like re-record debut, they're going to say some of the same stuff. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. you're just trying to go back to country. Like you're trying to use us like blah, 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 like that kind of thing. Yeah. I also think in terms of like recapturing the sound, Debut is going to be her biggest challenge there. And yes. so I'm sure she's in no rush to put herself in the situation where it's like, okay, I did it. I re-sang the songs with my fake country accent. Here they are. Like, I think she's right. going to really take her time to figure out how she wants today's version of Debut to sound. It's going to yeah. be hard. Like, I totally agree because it's just the country music fan base is really... They can They're be rabid. They are, they, they're like the, the underdog rabbit, not underdog in like a good way, but like you, you underestimate them. That's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. because not Twitter rabbit in the sense of like, where it's like you fully show your like colors and you're like, oh, okay. They're like, you underestimate how like crazy they can be. Cause I remember when she had her performance of Betty and all the comments I saw on Facebook about it, like from the news articles, cause you know, I keep up way too much with pop culture. Taylor Swift doesn't deserve to be there. She abandoned country music. They were happy and celebrating when she got taken off the mural in Nashville and things like that. It's just, anyways, yeah. So now we're getting off like on a whole other thing. Bailey's been trying to say something forever. Bailey, say oh, what you want to say. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think like going back to what you guys were saying, I think debut is going to be one of the last ones we get. Like I, it, I don't think it's going to be next. I think... To be yeah. honest, I think we might even get reputation before we get debut. Mm -hmm. I could see that because yeah. just for everything that we've talked about. I mean, she's got to re-record six albums if she releases two a year. She could do Fearless Red this year, 1989 Speak Now next year, and then Reputation and Debut 2023. But we also have to remember that from the Dumois post that she's been confirmed. Multiple people have said... And I'm pretty convinced that she's going to be touring in 2022 as well. So she might be making new music as we speak. And it's Listen, funny. I could not uh, be my brain is not ready for that. I know we all say it, but this woman is unhinged. Like she was re-recording Fearless <laughs> and recording Evermore and promoting folklore all at the same time. Like she's I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know how, like, how she does she do it. 
But it's like, uh, England, uh, she uh, also uh, said on one of her appearances last night, I think it was Seth Meyers, where she was just talking about how she pays attention to the fans and what we want and kind of bases sometimes like her next moves off that. Like she specifically brought up music videos, which is part of the reason I think we got the all too well short film. I really hope we get a getaway car music video. That's all I have to say. Or Cruel Summer. Wait, that's... It should have been a single. Could you imagine, though? Never mind. But could you imagine if she just made a Cruel Summer video? She can do whatever she wants. That's the beauty of the record, like, the contract she has with Republic. She can more or less do whatever the fuck she wants, and I am living for it. That's why I love it so much that she's under, I mean, obviously because of, like, you know, who Scott Borchetta is as a person and Scooter Braun and everything they did to her. But, like, it's just, it's awesome that she's now in a place where she can artistically be free. Because even though she was free before, she never was. And she was so limited. I feel like that's coming out now more than ever, especially on the Red Album and these vault tracks that we got. I know for a fact the reason she'd never released All Too Well 10-Minute Version was because of the F-bomb. And that would have never flown with country music ever. Also mentioning the age difference between her. Well, yeah, a lot of the things she talks about being drunk and um, Jake raging, he sounds very, may I say, go on a limb here, abusive, emotionally abusive in this relationship. And that results out in these like vault tracks and country radio will not stand for that. And so I'm just so happy to see now that she's in like a really healthy place. You can just see, like, from her appearances, she was glowing last night. So good. Yeah. Has everybody answered this last question? Yeah. Yeah. So do we want to kind of wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Steven, thank you so much for joining us again for our Red Reaction. Thank you for having me. Yes. We love you. (laughs) We love you. We love having you. Um, If you ever just want to, like chat you don't even have to come on and do a podcast we will like (laughs) get on skype and chat with you but like really like thank you so much we love your opinions we're such big fans like we just love you so thank you also you have a stitch in the background and i have been looking at him i do whole time like i've got three of them you can't (gasps) see the third one but there's like a pillow pet the big one and then a blanket pillow one in the corner oh my god Okay. I have, I have, like Sully up there. I have a Lilo and Stitch cloth. It's this is why we love Steven because <laughs> yeah. not only does he love Taylor Swift, but he loves Disney and we vibe with it. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us for yes, our red reaction. Um for having we, me. Bailey, do you kind of want to just like lead us out? Yeah. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Look out for next episodes where we continue our exploration of all things Taylor Swift. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikToks to get updates on our next episodes. Handles for our social medias can be found in the description. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thank you. A bottle of wine during this. One bottle of wine. (laughs)